Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As we've been walking through the Ten Commandments this summer, we have demonstrated from God's word the desire that God has to protect, to protect us from ourselves and from others. Today we'll see God's desire to protect his gift of possessions. Yes, today God teaches us through the story of Zacchaeus what we should value in this life. Have you ever had anybody ask you that question? What's the most valuable possession you own? Sometimes they'll say it this way, if your house was on fire and you could only grab one thing out of your house, what would you grab before the rest of the house was destroyed? You can kind of learn a lot about somebody from the answer that they give, can't you? Maybe you would answer, well, there's some family heirlooms that we'd certainly like to make sure survive, right? Maybe a photo album, something like that. Well, maybe, maybe you haven't been thinking about the right things. Maybe you should find your VHS Disney tapes and make sure you get those out of the house. Are you aware that some of those first edition VHS tapes, because they're so rare now, are worth up to $1,000 each? I don't know why we threw ours away. Or, or maybe, maybe your investment was the Beanie Babies that you bought for your kids back in the early 2000s, right? Are the tags still on the ears? Because that's kind of important. Do you know that some of those Beanie Babies are worth up to $5,000 or more? Or maybe you can take it even a step further. Maybe you have one of 100 rare stamps. Are you aware of this little stamp up here? Do you know that one in the corner up there? The inverted Jenny? There's 100 of those. They printed it wrong. The plane is upside down. The last time one was sold at an auction, it was worth $1.3 million. Any baseball card collectors out there? This is the most valuable baseball card in the world. There's about 50 of them. Honus Wagner of the Pittsburgh Pirates. The last one of those that was sold at auction went for $3.3 million, a baseball card. Does it make you want to go home and check out what's in your attic or basement? You see, that question teaches us to value what is truly important. Will you recite with me the seventh commandment and Luther's explanation? You shall not steal. What does this mean? We should fear and love God that we do not take our neighbor's money or property or get it by dishonest dealing, but help him to improve and protect his property and means of income. We walk through the story of Zacchaeus today help us in recognizing true riches. First, we'll see and remember Jesus' invitation. And then secondly, recognize and rejoice in Jesus' redemption. Let's take a look at how Luke sets the stage for this story of Zacchaeus in verses 1 to 4. Again, we read them earlier, but listen again to what Luke says. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. 
Maybe you know enough about tax collectors to know that they weren't exactly the most popular people in Jewish society. Right? And that's how Zacchaeus is identified for us as a tax collector. But maybe you notice there was an additional word attached to the name of Zacchaeus. He's a chief tax collector. The Bible doesn't exactly explain what that means, but I think we can probably conclude he was pretty good at his job. And that probably meant he was wealthy. Maybe if they would have had a Fortune 500 back then, you would have seen Zacchaeus' name on it. Right? Maybe he graced the cover of Forbes at one time or another. But you know what? His wealth didn't make him popular. As a matter of fact, it did the exact opposite. He would have been considered an enemy of the Jewish people, a traitor. Because what a tax collector did is first of all worked for the dreaded Roman government. And then secondly, a tax collector exploited his own people. Do you know how tax collectors worked? They were given an assignment by Rome to collect so much money from each family, from each individual, and then whatever they could collect over and above what they had to send back to Rome, they could put that right in their pockets. So here's Zacchaeus identified for us as a chief tax collector who in his own words later on tells us that he stole from his own people. Maybe that makes it kind of amazing the name that Zacchaeus has. In the original Hebrew, that means innocent and he certainly was anything but. But his desire to see Jesus, what brought that about? This man who was hated in society, who was stealing from his own people, must have heard something about Jesus, must have been drawn to see Jesus in some way. Except there was one small problem, one challenge that Zacchaeus faced. It was a vertical challenge. He was too short to see Jesus over the crown. And so what did he do? He climbed up a tree to get a better view of the Savior as he passed by. I want to pause there just for a moment to consider the lengths that Zacchaeus went to to make sure he got a glimpse of Jesus. Maybe a truth that we can take home with us today is simply this. Seeing Jesus is worth whatever sacrifice is necessary. Let me ask you this question this morning. How many of you have ever climbed a tree in your life? Go ahead, raise your hands if you've climbed a tree. Okay, we have quite a few tree climbers in here. How many of you have climbed a tree in the last two years? Okay, a few. That dropped off significantly. Yeah, I remember my tree climbing days, but they were a long time ago, right? You have to kind of have a little bit of balance, right? You have to be maybe not so afraid of heights. Probably have to have a purpose in climbing a tree too, at least as you get a little bit older. But I wonder... If somebody told you this morning that in order to worship your Savior, in order to see Jesus, you had to climb a tree, would you do it? Most of you probably would, if you're physically capable of doing so. And it got me to thinking about what our faith is truly worth. How much are we willing to sacrifice? How much, how much discomfort are we willing to put ourselves in in order to see Jesus. If you've learned anything from life in this world, I'm sure one of the things that you've learned is that in some cases, 
around our country and in our world, Christians are viewed a little bit like tax collectors, aren't they? Not everybody has an appreciation for people like you and me who hold to a biblical truth that there's only one way to heaven. It might get difficult in this world. Hasn't it been a blessing for us for so many years to have freedom to worship our Savior as we see fit? But what if that changes? What if somebody says to us, if you worship Jesus, if you hold to this teaching, then we're coming after you. How much are we willing to sacrifice for the sake of our faith? Doesn't it teach us how valuable our faith is, that opportunity to sacrifice for Jesus? Zacchaeus certainly understood that as he climbed the tree to get a glimpse. Luke tells us what happened next. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus came right to the spot, right to the place where Zacchaeus had climbed that tree with an invitation. I'm coming to your house. How shocked Zacchaeus must have been that Jesus would see him in that tree, would invite himself to the house of Zacchaeus. What a surprise it must have been that this dreaded, this hated tax collector, the cheat that he was, would be the one that Jesus came over and visited. Don't you love Zacchaeus' reaction? Welcomes Jesus to his house, excited that Jesus is coming over to visit with him. It wasn't only Zacchaeus that was shocked that Jesus would stop at that tree and invite himself over to Zacchaeus' house. All the others were shocked too for a different reason. They were shocked that Jesus would stoop so low to invite himself over to the house of such a sinner, a term that they used in a very derisive manner. A sinner like Zacchaeus, this tax collector. And yet, Look at the change. Look at the change that a visit from Jesus, look at the change that seeing Jesus brought into the life of Zacchaeus. I give back four times the amount, he said, of anything that I've cheated anyone of. I'll pay half of all of my possessions to help others. You see, the repentance of Zacchaeus was genuine and proved itself in his actions. Somehow, seeing Jesus, knowing what Jesus taught, Zacchaeus was brought to that repentance. He was brought to say, I'm a sinner. I'm a cheat. I'm a fraud. But here's what I'm going to do about it. I'm going to pay back whatever it is I owe to anyone. Isn't the power of God's word amazing? One encounter with Jesus and Zacchaeus was willing to change his life. Here's another truth we can learn from the story of Zacchaeus today. God's grace moves us to confess our sins and change our lives. It's exactly what Zacchaeus was willing to do. It's that word of God working in our hearts that convinces us 
First of all, that we're loved by our Savior. Reminds us of our sin and then drives us to live according to our Savior's will. Let's finish up the story as Luke reports it. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus told Zacchaeus exactly what he needed to hear. He gave him the assurance that his sins were forgiven in a pretty unique way, right? This man too, he says, is a son of Abraham. You see, this had far more to do than with his heritage of being a Jewish person. No, he was a son of Abraham in the sense that he was a believer. That he too, like Abraham, believed God and God credited that to him as righteousness. And then Jesus says words that have echoed through the centuries, right down to you and me today. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That was Jesus' sole purpose in coming into this world, to seek and to save the lost. It's a neat story, the story of Zacchaeus. And maybe when I read or you read with me the seventh commandment, you shall not steal, you thought, well, it's been a long time. Maybe that one time when I was younger in the grocery store and I decided that I wanted a little bit of candy and just stuck it in my pocket and then my parents made me take it back and paid twice what it was worth. That happened to any of you? Okay, that was just me. All right. But it's easy, isn't it, to look at that commandment and say, you shall not steal and wonder, ah, I'm doing pretty well, right? But there's a little Zacchaeus in all of us, isn't there? Think about how easy it is for our thoughts to go to greed, to wanting more for ourselves, to thinking that if only we had this or that, then we would truly be satisfied in this life, to look for ways to make our life more comfortable, to do anything that we can to get ahead in this world. That greed can show up at our workplace, can't it? When we don't put in a full day's work, feel a little bit lazy, maybe it's in our desire to work at all. See, if we're truly honest with ourselves, we know that none of us has escaped dishonest thoughts and actions. We know that we like to cut corners, make life easy for ourselves. It's why stories like VHS tapes of Disney movies and Beanie Babies and baseball cards get us excited because maybe, maybe I would never have to work again if only that would happen for me, right? It's why we get excited about a lottery or a jackpot, right? There's all kinds of ways that we think if only that would happen to me, then life would be so easy. You know what those kind of thoughts, our thoughts of discontent are all about, right? It really demonstrates that the seventh commandment is also a part of the first commandment because it demonstrates our lack of trust in God. If I feel like I have to take something, if I feel like I have to be dishonest and do something to get ahead, am I not in the same breath saying to God, you're not providing well enough for me. What you have given me isn't enough, so I have to go out and get more. It shows that we have no trust in the Heavenly Father who gives every good and perfect gift. It's not easy, is it, to look into the mirror of God's law I don't know about you, but every time I look at one of these commandments in detail, 
I realize all over again how far short I fall of the glory of God. But doesn't that make God's grace all the more amazing? Those words that Jesus said after calling Zacchaeus, I've come to seek and to save the lost, those are words that God speaks to you this morning. That he came to this earth to seek and to save you. That's what Jesus did. He not only sought us, he found us. He found us by giving up his very perfect existence in heaven, coming to this life and substituting for each one of us. Do you know what Jesus valued above all things? He valued the will of his heavenly Father. And the will of his heavenly Father was that all people be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. You see, Jesus valued you. That's why he came to this world. That's what he came to save you and me. And think of what he gave up to do that very thing. Luther said it this way in his explanation to the second article, not with gold or silver, but with his holy, precious blood and his innocent sufferings and death. That's how much Jesus values us, that he was willing to shed his own blood to save you and me, to seek and to save the lost. Jesus, who provides us with the greatest need that we have, the need of forgiveness, salvation, promises that he'll take care of us. He promises that he'll provide for us in this life too. You see, we don't have to worry about what we have in this life, wanting more, because we already have something that is of greatest value. Our eternity. The place that we will spend with our Lord forever in the perfection of heaven. That's the final truth I'd like you to learn from the story of Zacchaeus today. Jesus supplied our greatest treasure, eternal life. The Apostle Paul described that so well in this verse from 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Listen to his words. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. That's recognizing true riches. The riches that we have through Jesus in the pouring out of his blood shed for us for forgiveness and life. Some takeaways from our seventh commandment sermon today. Number one, the seventh commandment protects God's gift of our possessions. God gives each person in this life the blessings that he wants them to have. He wants us to be content with those blessings to protect not only ours but also the blessings of our neighbor as well. Number two, we break the seventh commandment through our greedy thoughts and actions. Yes, when we fail to trust God, that God is providing amply and perfectly for us, that's when our thoughts go to how we can make our lives better. Look at point number three. Jesus obeyed the seventh commandment for us and he died to give us real treasure. Yes, though he was rich, for our sakes he became poor. And through his poverty, we are rich. Maybe you've seen this picture before. I really love this picture. It's just, it says so much in just a few, uh, a few images. You have this young lady holding on to something small that she can see, right? And all the while, Jesus has something greater in store for her. I know it's not about teddy bears or beanie babies or baseball cards or any of those things. But aren't we guilty of that? 
holding on to small blessings in this life and forgetting about the real value, the value of the life that is to come, the value of what Jesus has already won for us, that's the one thing needed. The one thing that we need, the faith that we receive from the word of God in our Savior Jesus that makes us his own children and heirs of eternal life. That's real riches. And when we recognize those real riches, we look ahead. We look ahead to the perfect existence that we'll have where God's grace, his love for us, and his blessings will abound, not for just a short time, but forever. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.